your belly. I couldn't eat another thing. I'm absolutely stuffed. Now fill your brain with lightning knowledge. What can I do to speed the whole thing up, doctor? This is Lightning Lunch, a full hour of lightning talk with lightninginsider.com's Eric Erlinson. Did you see the memo about this? On Lightning Power Play. Good afternoon. Welcome to this Friday, January the 31st edition of Lightning Lunch here on Lightning Power Play. Eric Rollinson, your host from lightninginsider.com. Lightning are back in action tonight. Out at the Duck Pond in Anaheim to face the Anaheim Ducks. They still call it the Duck Pond? I think they still call it the Pond. Arrowhead. I know it's Honda Center. They used to call it the Duck Pond. We're going to stick with Duck Pond. Uh, Lightning looking to build off of Wednesday's game in L.A. where they defeated the L.A. Kings 4-2 in game two of this four-game road trip. So we'll talk a little bit about the Anaheim Ducks. Uh, i got a special guest on today as well. Ken Campbell, senior writer for the Hockey News, is going to join us as well. He'll He's got... Uh, Ken has never been afraid to share his opinion, and, and that's why I love Ken. Uh, I've known Ken for a long time. He's been in this business for 30-plus years. I uh, used to work at the Toronto Star covering the Leafs for a number of years as well. Uh, now does his work for the Hockey News, and uh, he's got some columns that have been out in the last couple of days. His most recent one was on the San Jose Sharks, who the Lightning will face tomorrow night in San Jose. He's got uh, the latest edition of the Hockey News. He's got a, a column on the back page on Department of Player Safety, which has come under some, well, it's always under scrutiny, let's face it, but it's been a big topic in the hockey world because of the situation a couple of nights ago involving the Battle of Alberta and the conflict between Zach Cassian and Matthew Kachuk, which, by the way, will be back on display Tomorrow night, those two teams finish off a home-and-home home set with a 10 p.m. puck drop on Hockey Night in Canada at 10 p.m. in Calgary. So um, we'll get Ken's thoughts on a lot of these things. Uh, and I've got a really good story to share about Ken. He doesn't know it yet. But uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pop him with this, with this story in, uh, between me and him. So uh, I'll share that with you guys and him as well a little bit later on down uh, in the show, probably in segment two or so to uh, get you set for tonight's game against the Ducks. If you have any topics you would like me to discuss, send them my way. Haven't really f- put the format out this way before, but it's it's an open format today. You should send them... My way via Twitter. You guys know how to do that. Just use the hashtag AskEE. It can be in a form of a question. It can just be the form of a topic. Hey, I'm interested in this. What can you tell me? Whatever it is, you can send it my way. You can also email me. Eric at lightninginsider.com is the email. Our friend Rich from Palm Beach checks in every now and then via email. So uh, you can certainly reach me via that format as well. So any topic... League-wide, lightning-wide, whatever it happens to be, as the lightning hit the 50-game mark the other night in L.A. So the the games are going to come, they're going to tick down really fast here. Early part of the season, you know, when we discussed so much in regards to the elevator that the team was on, kind of went up, kind of went down, never went to the top, never fell to the bottom. You know, that there was still time to get things turned around. They just needed to get on a run. Well, they hit that run that started really in the middle of December, though the results weren't quite there. But in terms of their play, they hit that run. And then it never, never hurts to go on a 10-game winning streak. That'll vault you up the standings for sure, and the Lightning have done that as they sit uh, currently in second place in the uh, Atlantic Division. So they went from a middle-of-the-pack team to a top five, top six team in the league standings, if uh, if you can believe that. But that is where they sit 
right now. Uh, they have a four-point lead over the Florida Panthers, and believe it or not, the Panthers now have a game in hand. Remember how we talked early in the year how the Lightning had so many games to make ground, games in hand, if you will, because of the extended time off around the trip to Sweden, which, man, does that seem like a long time ago. It was only two months ago, a little over two months ago. Uh, they're only also only five points behind the Boston Bruins. Bruins with 70 points in 51 games. The Lightning with 65 points in 50 games. Florida with 61 in 49 games. And more importantly, what the Lightning have done here is they've opened up a four-point lead on some of the teams below them in the standings. The, the Leafs now have 61 points as they have won both their games coming out of the break. They'll host the Ottawa Senators tomorrow night. The Flyers have 60 points. Uh, and that's really, really, we can stop the conversation there. It's really just 10 teams for eight spots. Montreal won last night. That puts them at 53 points. But 53 points with 30 games to go, that's a lot of ground for a team to make up. They're eight points behind a playoff spot right now. That's almost, in today's day and age, Almost, I won't say it's totally, but it's almost impossible to overcome. And then Buffalo Rangers, they're out of the conversation now uh, in, in terms of the playoffs. So it's really eight teams fighting for ten, uh, ten teams fighting for eight spots. And the Lightning have certainly done themselves a favor um, in the latter stages of December and then into early January to put themselves back into solid ground when it comes to their their spot in the Eastern Conference. So I, I got one topic I will discuss because I, I've seen this tossed around a, a little bit because if you, you look at the standings, and that's it's the time of year where we can start doing that on a regular basis now as the calendar will flip to February before the Lightning are finished actually with their game tonight with the 10 p.m. start out in Anaheim. You look at the standings and a lot of people are noticing and or complaining that the Lightning have more wins than the Boston Bruins but are in second place in the Atlantic Division. So it's going to bring us back to the old point system and how the NHL works. So I'll, I'll discuss that a little bit uh, a little bit later on in the show. Uh, unless you have other topics you want to send my way, uh, we can discuss those as well. All right, uh, Anaheim is a team that is struggling. They, again, we talked about this on Wednesday, but this California trip, it absolutely used to be the most difficult trip for Eastern Conference teams to face. And that is the three California teams. It just so happens that Dallas was at the front end of this. Sometimes Arizona is part of this trip. But it's, it's, the, it's the trip through California that in the early 2000s and really up to just a couple of years ago used to be extremely difficult for Eastern Conference teams to find their way through. But as we sit here and talk today, again, all three of those California teams occupy the bottom three spots in the Western Conference. San Jose, Anaheim, and L.A. That's even after L.A. beat Arizona last night. And not only are the bottom of the Pacific Division standings, they're three of the bottom six teams in the league. San Jose, who Tampa Bay will face tomorrow night, is 26th place. Anaheim is 28th place, and the Kings are 30th. And the Red Wings are in a basement all their own down at the bottom of the standings. But these three teams occupy the bottom, three of the bottom six spots in the league, and it's hard to think of how quickly that has happened. These used to be all Stanley Cup contenders on a yearly basis for almost a decade. 
all three teams. L.A. actually did win two cups. Anaheim got to a couple of Western Conference Finals. Was almost Tampa Bay's opponent in the 2015 Stanley Cup Final. As that series with the Blackhawks went seven games. San Jose went to the Stanley Cup Final in 2016. Lost to the Pittsburgh Penguins. So it's amazing to see how quickly this has fallen off. From And this, this is an indication, because all, well, specifically Anaheim and L.A., sort of built their rosters around playing a heavy game. I hear that term a lot, a heavy game. And then all of a sudden, they looked up and the league got fast. So much emphasis on speed and skill in today's game. And, and youth. Young speed skill. Every team that, if you look at any of the contending teams, they have players that sort of fit that mold. Whereas... Specifically, the Ducks and the Kings don't have those type of players. The Kings still rely on Anze Kopitar, Jeff Carter, even Tyler Toffoli. You know, we've talked about Tyler Toffoli who's going to be an unrestricted free agent at the end of the year, former 30-goal scorer, most likely a trade candidate. You know, he's not exactly, you know, a young player himself. So they've relied on their older veterans, and the game all of a sudden just got too fast for that roster. And they didn't have players to kind of come up and fill. Now the Kings are on their way. They've got a couple of really good young prospects. So they might be a little bit closer. The Ducks were hoping that this year some of their young players would be able to take that step so they wouldn't have to rely so much on Orion Getzlaff. Of course, Corey Perry was bought out from the final part of his contract. He's now with the Dallas Stars. But here you look at the Ducks roster, and you've got Ryan Getzlaff leading the team in scoring, 33 points, 22 assists. Both lead the team. Adam Henrique, player they acquired from the Devils a couple years ago. He's got 27 points. Now they've got Ricard Raquel, sort of in between that stage. 12 goals, 28 points. Jakob Silverberg, who would have been at the All-Star game this year. But they were really hoping guys like Sam Steele, Max Jones, Troy Terry, that those players, those type of players, would be able to take a step forward in their development and be a part of their youthful rejuvenation, and it hasn't happened. Troy Terry, three goals and nine points in 35 games. Max Jones, five goals and seven points in 39 games. Sam Steele, four goals and 16 points in 45 games. Even Andre Kasha. Six goals and 20 points in 44 games. They haven't taken that step offensively to the point where the Ducks didn't have to rely on their veterans. So that's why both of these franchises in particular are in the spot. Now the Sharks are a little bit different. The Sharks were supposed to be a contending team. Again, we'll talk to Ken Campbell from the Hockey News in our next segment in regards to this, but the Sharks were supposed to be a cup contender this year. Remember, they reached the conference finals last year, lost out to the St. Louis Blues. Joe Pavelski left as an unrestricted free agent, but they still felt they had enough to be a contender again. Joe Thornton came back for another year. They signed Eric Carlson to a contract extension. You have Brent Burns, Logan Couture, Thomas Hurdle, Mark Andre, uh, Mark Edward Vlasic. 
Again, a lot of really good players on that roster. And yet, they've struggled to the point where they made a coaching change. Pete DeBoer was fired. Bob Bugner took over, former head coach of the Florida Panthers. And it just hasn't worked for them. Now, their goaltending has been very suspect to the point where Martin Jones has pretty much lost his starting position to Aaron Dell. But even that hasn't helped. And then you get the news yesterday that the Sharks already without Logan Couture to a ankle injury have lost Thomas Hurdle for the year. He tore an ACL and an MCL. Those should just make you cringe. Those are difficult, difficult injuries for players to come back from at, in any sport. And the rehab is not easy. I mean, think about um, Steven Stamkos. Now, his was an MCL. And it, it was a partial tear that they, he just went through rehab with. Think about how long it took for him to kind of get back to how he felt comfortable with the knee. Well, you know, you've got Hurdle, who was fantastic All-Star Weekend, now out for the year. So it's amazing how quickly, and this is a league of parity, how quickly these three teams have really, really fallen off the map when it comes to success. So as Tampa Bay embarks, is now right in the middle of their annual trek out to California, just kind of keep some of that stuff in mind because it's it, it didn't used to be an easy trip. And then I was looking. This is an amazing stat. The Lightning have not lost in regulation in Anaheim since 05-06. They've had a lot of tight games there. There have been four overtime losses in that span. So they're actually 5-0-4 oh, in their last nine trips to Anaheim, but they've all been pretty much low-scoring games. 4-2 win. Sorry, 4-3. The only game that was not a one-goal game came in the 14-15 season when Tampa Bay won 4-1. Everything else has been a one-goal game, including the last four the last four games out in Anaheim have been decided by two-to-one scores. And then you have that 4-1 anomaly, anomaly. And the year before that was one nothing. was one nothing Anaheim. I remember that game very well. It was the end of that trip in California. And it was 0-0, obviously, because it's ended as a one nothing game. It was 0-0 going into overtime. And Ben Bishop actually... The team was a little delayed getting out of the arena because Ben Bishop needed some IV because he was dehydrated. So four of the last five trips in Anaheim has had three or fewer combined goals in the game. Not sure what we expect tonight, but uh, before we head to break, I'll leave you with this thought. The last time these two teams met when Tampa Bay beat Anaheim earlier in the season, a very unhappy Ryan Getzlaff complained about how Tampa Bay's smaller forwards were able to establish space around the Anaheim net, and he called them a bunch of five foot ten guys. So look for that tonight. Look to see how the Lightning, can, if they can establish their presence around the Anaheim crease, and if they can be physical in those areas of the ice. Because I guarantee you that quote came up somewhere with the Ducks here in the last game or two, last day or two. So it will be very interesting to see how this game plays out tonight. Again, it's a 10 p.m. puck drop. It is back on Fox Sports Sun after the team has been on NBC Sportsnet. The previous two games coming out of the break, but they will be back on Sun Sports tonight. Of course, you can keep it right here. On Lightning Power Play, Dave Mishkin and Kelly Chelios will have that call for you 
right here on the radio side. All right, let's take our first break. We're going to dial up Ken Campbell from Hockey News, get him on the phone and get some of his thoughts on not just the lighting, but a couple of other league topics that have popped up here in the last couple of days. So we'll get Ken on the phone when we come back right after this. Oh, we've got more lightning talk for you. Unbelievable. Get a heaping helping of hockey with Lightning Lunch. It's your window to wait game. On Lightning Power Play. All right, welcome back to Lightning Lunch here on Lightning Power Play. Eric Rowlandson from lightninginsider.com, your host. And uh, we're going to go out to the desert right now as Ken Campbell from the Hockey News is uh, holding a, a winter camp for himself in Arizona, uh, but he's gracious enough to join us here on the show. Kenny, I can't thank you enough for coming on. Uh, how are things out in, out in the desert? Is it a dry heat? I always have to ask that question. Can't oh, get it's, enough. It's, 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 a, it's a dry heat, but it's, not, it's, not, uh, it's very temperate at this time of year. I don't think I'd want to be here in the middle of July, but yep. uh, it's, it's very, very temperate at this time of year. And, yes, it is dry, <laughs> unlike unlike – say where you live where it's a little more sticky yeah um, it's very very dry here so and very pleasant yeah. not that tampa bay is it tampa bay is wonderful as well yep all right ken i want to uh, I, I wanted to get some of your take on on this lightning team this year yeah. uh, so much expectations yeah. is even going back to last year when they set the 62 tied the record for 62 wins and then unceremoniously got swept out by columbus in the first round so there's a lot of eyes kind of keeping tabs of what they do this year struggles in the early part of the year rattle off 10 straight wins just how much do you think last year's lessons can carry over into what this team hopes to accomplish to get into April and hopefully beyond well I, I think this year they're they're probably pacing themselves a lot more I mean they, as you say they did have that 10 straight now they're kind of back to a win lose win lose win lose and and so I think they're they're starting to establish our identity. I was you know I kept seeing them early in the year and they were struggling and then they'd win two in a row and I'd be like okay they're gonna okay they're, they're this is where they're gonna take off and then and then they'd lose again and then they they struggled and then and then they sort of put that together and now they're now they're kind of back sort of paced. I think they're they're in the playoffs. They're gonna be in the playoffs. Um, I think they're, they're. I don't think they're near as concerned about the the regular season this year as they as they were in the past. Um, you know, so I, so I, I think they're, I think they're probably pacing themselves a little more, um, and sort of trying to gear up towards, you know, peaking at the right time, uh, and not having a bad week in, in, in early <laughs> April, like they did last year. Um, because that's, that's really what it was, right? I mean, there was one team that was better than them for, for a week and a half mm -hmm. and, and it cost them their season. Um, so I think they're, I think they're probably guarding against that a little more this year. Um, and uh, I, I kind of like where they are. I mean, they're, they're you know they're they're firmly in a playoff spot. They're going to make the playoffs. Um, you know, they're starting to really come together and and win some games. I mean, you know, I mean that top line. You know, you talk about the best lines in the NHL, and you know when you can put out Stamkos, Points, and, and Kucherov as your top line, uh, that's going to rival any any line in the league. Um, you know, and I mean, Stamkos is really heated up. I think he's got like five goals and five assists in his last five games. Mm -hmm. um, you know, like Alex Kalorn, 20 goals. Uh, <laughs> you know, I, I mean, I don't know if anybody saw that coming. You know, I, I think Anthony Sorelli's been, you know, I when the PHWA had their had their vote for um, midseason awards, I had him as my as my Selkie Trophy guy. Mm -hmm. And and I think and I think Victor Hedman's putting together a. a a Norris Trophy winning season again. I, I, you know, so they're coming together. I, I wouldn't be too worried about them. But, you know, as you say, Eric, I mean, this team is not going to be measured on anything between now and April fourth. Yeah. Um, everything, everything, everything that this team is measured by is going to be happening after April fourth, and and how they perform in in the two months between April and June will be, you know, will be the, what this, you know, that'll dictate the legacy of this team. Where do you stand in terms of? One of the criticisms maybe of the team last year was they didn't face any adversity, and when they lost that game one against Columbus in the manner in which they did, yeah. they didn't have anything to draw from during the season with that group of players, even though there's a lot of veterans on this team, young veterans especially. But do you think that because of what they went through in the early part of this year where it was win two, win one, you know, lose two, win one, where they were really up and down, can that be a, a building process for a team? 
I guess you can tell yourself that. You know, <laughs> I mean, if, if, you're, if you're the Tampa Bay Lightning, I suppose you can tell yourself that. Um, I, I'm not sure. I mean, like, I don't know what they were supposed to do during the regular season last year. You know, I mean, no. they, 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 they couldn't not win games, right? I mean, they were chasing records. You know, the year before, they kind of let their let the pedal let the foot off the pedal, and they almost lost the division because of it. So, you know, they've done it in a couple of different ways, and and with varying degrees of success. Um, so, I guess, yeah. I mean, you know, uh, a guy I work with, Ryan Kennedy, has a, has a has a great uh, has a great saying. He says, "Sports psychology is all about lying to yourself and others." <laughs> so, you know, I mean, I, I guess if Tampa can say, "Yeah, okay, well, we can lean on that adversity," um, but I think, you know, I mean, I think they know they're a good team i think they know they're they can be a great team um and and it's just a matter of of going out and doing it and and you know i mean if if they were if that's if that was the case if that indeed was the case when they lost game one and and sort of lost the series there then you know you're looking at that and you're going well maybe they're not quite as as mentally tough as we all thought they would as, yeah. as we all thought they were and and you know i think i think they're going to learn more from that than they did from the early season last year like last year them sitting at the awards and and, and uh and um trace is a tracy morgan saying that joke about uh you know about them setting the record for wins and then setting the record for for for, yeah. for the fewest wins in the playoffs i mean that i think that's where you look and you say man oh man you know we don't want that to happen again and 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 i think that's going to be where the learning the learning curve for them because i think every every great team before they before they win before they really hit that pinnacle they always have to have that gut punch you know that that sort of that sort of just just awful gut punch losing to a team you had no business losing to losing early and feeling that disappointment so i think that i think that's what'll drive them a lot more than than what they faced in the regular season this year yeah it's never good to be the butt of jokes at the uh, league's awards <laughs> show you know, to yeah. win all those awards well, and then no it was it was funny but i can't imagine what the players uh, who were thinking as <laughs> they were sat in the stands and had to listen to that um the Lightning stood pat last year at the trade deadline, and Julian Brisebois has come out and said he's not necessarily a fan of deadline deals because history shows that they don't pay off. But do you think this is a year where maybe he has to kind of dip into the market in some capacity to boost this team in some way? Well, um, yeah, I mean, I'm not, I'm not sure that, that, that that's, that's something that – you want to do like I mean you know you, you hear about guys like you know Patrick Marlowe and Joe Thornton and, and guys like that being out there you know a Tyler Toffoli um you know and maybe maybe you do go out and get a guy like a Tyler Toffoli because you know I mean if you're talking about playoff adversity I mean this is a guy who's won two cups his team was down three nothing at one point in, in a series a year in which they won uh you know he can score uh, he can give you he can he can give you good minutes. He can you know he can play on your second third line. Um, you know he he's he's been there and he's done all of that. So um, you know maybe they go out and get a guy like that. I mean they're fairly they're fairly tied up against the cap, but they got a bit of room. And mm-hmm. and you know if you make that if you make that deal late enough, you you know you you mitigate the salary, so it's it's not that uh, it's not that 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 bad. Um, but I, I'm I'm not a big fan of the deadline deals either. To me, it's always like never. It's never the big, sort of the big deal, the one that everyone's expecting that puts a team over the top. It's like Washington Capitals going out and getting Michael Kempney a couple of years ago. You know, so you you know you go out and get a guy like that. Um, you know, a guy who kind of supplements and then maybe plays a little above his above his pay grade. Uh, in the playoffs, and then the next thing you know, you, you know, you're, everybody's looking back and going, "That was the deal of the deadline." I, I don't see him making a big splash, for, you know, by any stretch of the imagination. If 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 he does make a deal, I would expect it would be one of those sort of tweaky ones that, uh, you know, he picks up a rental for, you know, for a third round pick, and and uh, you know that guy plugs in and either you know adds some to their defense or their forward core, and 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 they move along. But I mean, this team is. This team is good enough to win a Stanley Cup. I don't think there's any question about that. Um, you look back at the Washington Capitals a couple of years ago, and and they they finished sixth overall and won the Cup. I mean, they've won President's Trophies and, and been ousted in the first and second rounds. 
Um, you know, so this team, to me, I think is I think this team, you know, and, and I don't know what people locally feel like, but you know, this team is too good not to win. It's yeah. too good not not to win a cup at some point. And and it might not even be this year. You know, that maybe they maybe they lose in the second round this year. Maybe they go all the way. I don't know. But at some point, this team. I mean, it's it's just too good not. To you know, it's just yeah. too good not to win, and I think they are going to win a cup. They may, may win multiple cups, but i got to think that at some point in the next couple of years, like, this window is pretty wide open, you know? I mean, Kucherov's under contract for another, what, six years. Stamkos and, and Point's there for three years. You know, John's there for this year and two more. Um, you know, Tyler Johnson's still there. They've got a lot of assets. They've got a, a lot of good young players, and, you know, they're goaltending solid, so. Yeah, they're set up for long-term success, not just this year. But, uh, you know, I, I was watching a little bit of the uh, the documentary of the Russian Five last night after the game mm-hmm. on mm-hmm. NBC, and I'd only watched bits and pieces of it. I haven't watched the full thing. But, I mean, you think about what those Red Wings teams went through, you know, that year they won 62 yeah, exactly. and they lost in the conference final. And, you know, the year before they were supposed to be the team. And, you know, the Stanley Cup's hard to win. It's hard to win. I mean, you've seen that through your career. Hardest trophy in the hardest trophy in sports to win, without question. Yeah. Without question, it's the hardest trophy in professional sports to win. And I mean, you talked about those those Red Wing teams. Like they almost traded Steve Eiserman. Yeah. They very clo- they came very close to trading Steve Eiserman, uh, and they didn't. And then he sort of transformed himself into this two way guy who became so invaluable to them. Um, you know, they couldn't win a Stanley Cup when he was scoring fifty and sixty goals a year. But once he sort of decided he wanted to be that kind of shutdown, not a shutdown guy, but a, a two-way guy, then, uh, you know, a lot like what Braden Point is now, um, you know, um, that's when they started to win. So, uh, yeah, it's not easy. Like, And I, I was talking to John Cooper before the playoffs last year, and this was, you know, in the, the last weeks of the season when it was very clear that they were going to finish first and they were going to be so good and everything. And, and, you know, we talked about it, and he said, you know, he said, if you started the playoffs and someone said to you, you could either take the team that finishes first overall or you can take the field, you're going to take the field every time. Yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. you are going to take the field every time because history shows us that President's Trophy winners win the Cup about 25% of the time. There is no real curse, right? Like, it's that's still pretty good. You know, that's still better than any other placing that, that you you know historically so i mean once you get into that that two-month tournament it's there's so much that has to go right um you know you have to have, you have to stay healthy you have to have guys that are playing out of their minds for a couple of months like and and you know i mean there's so much that has to go right and we saw that last year with you know a team like st louis i mean they just seemed to really get hot at the right time and everything came together for them so i, I don't see that why that can't happen to this team. But like I said, they're just too good. And whether it's this year, next year, or the year after, or even beyond that, I, I just I can't fathom that this team can't can't win at least a cup. Yeah, that's that's kind of the feeling around here too. You know, there's just too much talent and yeah. they're too deep to be able to not put it together at some point. But I mean you need some luck in the playoffs, right? I mean even the St. Louis Absolutely. last year, double overtime game seven against Dallas. I mean you know, it took a Pat Maroon double overtime goal just to get them to the conference finals. So you do need a, need a yeah. lot to happen. Uh, again, we're joined here by Absolutely. Ken Campbell, uh, senior writer for the Hockey News here on Lightning Lunch. And Ken, your most recent column talked about the San Jose Sharks who got the big blow yesterday when Tomas Hurdle was diagnosed with a uh, MCL, ACL tears uh, out for the rest of the season, already missing Logan Couture. How bad and how quickly did this season go wrong for the San Jose Sharks, who were a team going into the year that people looked at as a contender? Yeah, I mean, it went south in record time, didn't it? Like, yeah. And, and that's what happens when, you know, when you don't get goaltending. I mean, their goaltending has been uh, really, well, I, I mean, it, you don't want to be too hard on them, but but it's been it's been very bad um you know so so that's that's number one um their goaltending has not been at the nhl level um you know i mean they've had they've had some injuries local couture went down a couple of weeks ago he's out for a couple more weeks um i think the joe pavelski you know departure was you know not that he's doing any great great things in dallas but he's a super smart player 
Um, you know, I think that that really tore a hole in their lineup. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and now, I mean, you look at it, they've got these injuries. They've got some contracts that are, are onerous, to say the least. Um, you know, and, and I know the Lightning, you know, I mean, that was a team that was right in the Eric Carlson sweepstakes right to the end. And, and, and you know, those are one of those ones where maybe you look back and you go in and you say, well, maybe 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 it was best that we didn't, you know, that we lost out on that one. Uh, because, I mean, the guy's still uh, obviously a super talented player, and I, I think he's actually leading them in scoring. Um, you know, but he's playing on one ankle, and, and I just don't see that contract aging very well. Uh, they have some contracts that won't age well. You know, they're, 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 in, they're in that hell right now. Like, they don't have their first-round pick this year because they gave it up in the Carlson trade. Um, you know, that's, that could end up being a lottery pick. Yeah. It probably will end up being a lottery pick. Um, you know, they, they, they're up against the cap. Um, you know, they, they've got a lot of bad contracts. And you know what? And I get it. I get it. I mean, Doug Wilson went out and tried to win a Stanley Cup. You know, they came close in 2017. They made the final. So he goes out and he gets Evander Kane. He goes out and he gets, you know, Eric Carlson. You know, and, and I don't, you know, I mean, that's that's the price you pay for trying to be successful. I mean, the only difference between, you know, between San Jose and, say, Detroit and Chicago and L.A. is they, they just didn't get the banners. You know, they just didn't, they just didn't get it. Um, but it wasn't for a lack of trying. You know, yeah. you try to win and, and things go south on you. And, uh, and unfortunately, they just, you know, they, their windows slammed shut, in my opinion. But, um, you know, they, they, they went for it, and now they're going to pay the price for it, like a lot of teams do. And that and that's just it. You know, you you have you think you have a window, you want to take advantage of it, and there's always a price that that's paid for it. And I guess it, to kind of bring it back to the lightning, I guess that's what Julian Breezeball kind of has to weigh here as well. How much do you want to sacrifice moving forward? Uh, they've had, they do have two two first round draft picks this year, the conditional one they got yep. from Vancouver and the JT Miller deal. So they have a little maybe something extra to play with when it comes to that. But I, that's what you have to weigh when you're in those positions. How much if you win it pays off. If you don't win, you're you're gonna hurt yourself franchise, you know, development wise because you don't have the picks to sustain uh, to bring in these top prospects underneath when some of these players start, you know, their careers start to go downhill. Yeah. Well, and it's a dual thing, right? Like, and this is what happened with Detroit. You know, if you finish at the top of the league every year, you're picking at the bottom of the first round at best, yep. right? So you're picking 29th, you're picking 30th, you're picking 31st. Not that you can't find players there. You, you certainly absolutely can. But it makes it a lot more difficult. But, I mean, the San Jose Sharks, uh, 2019, they traded their first-round pick. 2018, they traded their first uh, – 2018, they picked um, – uh, they picked um, a kid that they tra- that they ended up trading um, – uh, the kid to to Ottawa, uh, that they, uh, Josh Norris that they dealt to Ottawa. 20, 2017, they don't have, they don't have a first round pick. Like they haven't they effectively haven't haven't had a, fir- a pick in the first round in four years. Mm-hmm. You know, so the last guy I think that they picked in the first round that's on their team is Timo Meyer. So I mean that's that's going to catch up with you when you start. You know, draft picks are currency. And yeah, I mean you're right. You know, the Lightning have two first round picks this year. Um, and one, and they have. Well, I think I don't think they have their fifth, but they have like all of their picks, and then mm-hmm. a couple more, and in, in the later rounds, so they can use that as currency. Um, but you don't want, you know. I mean, if if you're going to go that route, and and it's okay to go that route, you better win because San Jose is the cautionary tale, right? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and and every team's going to go. Every team goes through it. This team will go through it at some point. You know. Um, the way they're building and, and, and that, um, you know, at some point they'll probably end up going through it. But if you can look back and say, you know, I mean, you look at the Los Angeles Kings as they're constructed right now. I mean, yeah, they're struggling. Yeah, they're not going to make the playoffs. They're probably going to end up selling off a bunch of players at the deadline. But I bet you there are 28 teams in the league that would trade that would trade the last decade with the Los Angeles Kings yep. in a heartbeat, you know. So, it's just the price you pay. Yeah. Well, and the Kings do have some good prospects in their system. They're going to start making their way up they here do. in the next couple of years. Absolutely. So they've restocked their, their farm system, so to speak. So they're, they're downtrodden, shouldn't be as far, and compare that to the Sharks, where they haven't had those picks to bring guys up and kind of be in that area. So it uh, is very interesting. Exactly. Uh, Ken, I wanted to bring this subject up with you before we go to uh, in the latest edition sure. of the Hockey News. You have the uh, back page column on Department of Player Safety. 
Uh, it always a very controversial subject in terms of the way league does this. But historically, they've always brought in guys like George Peros who played that role at the NHL level. And I thought you made a very good point where maybe it's time to think a little bit differently and bring somebody who has a different perspective to put a little bit more emphasis on the actual safety part of it. Will the league ever come to that uh, thought process? I, I, I don't know. I mean, uh, I mean, at the uh, at the All Star break, uh, Gary Bettman held his um, his uh, State of the Union, you know, uh, press conference, and and it was brought up that there have been, you know, some pl- some teams and players and people have been very critical of of uh, the Department of Player Safety, and and Gary Bettman waxed poetically about the job that George Peros has done. Um, you know, said he's done a fantastic job, and, and you know, we're very very pleased, and it's not very it's it's very difficult, and. And of course, people are going to have have complaints because you know that because it affects their team. Um, so I, I don't see them going in any different direction right now. But to me, I mean, you know, you've had Stefan Kintel, you've had Brandon Shanahan, you've had Brian Burke, who was a who's, who's a tough guy, you know, a not tough guy as he played, but you know, a guy who likes rough and tough hockey. Mm-hmm. You know, now you have George Peros, who was in 150 career fights. Um, you know, started a clothing company called Violent Gentlemen <laughs> that had that that made that made caps that said that, that made ball caps that said make hockey violent again. Um, you know, there's a there's a there's a real. I think it's more of a cultural thing, and and I'm not even sure if it would change if they put in Marty Sandley. You know, like yeah. Yeah. I just I don't I don't know if it would change. I think it's more of a culture thing, and these guys are are they're really scared that if you take the physical element out of it, um, that you're gonna that you're gonna you're going to diminish the game. And I, I, I just don't see it. I mean, all I see is, is, you know, I mean, I, I, I've, I've been very critical of this. I, I, you know, I'm, I've been on the record as saying that I, I don't think fighting belongs in the NHL and, and in hockey and that sort of thing. I, I don't want to see the game, the physical aspect of the game diminish. I just, I just don't, I just want to take out the dumb stuff, <laughs> you yeah. know? And, and so to me, um, you know, I mean, it would be nice to see them put in a put in someone who's who's got more of an emphasis on on say skill or you know or or to me I, I think personally I think the, the league has too many former players. Like, in, if you do if you look at at the levers of power in in every major professional sports league, you'll see in hockey it's got more former players like by a by a huge margin uh, than any of the other leagues. And I think they bring that sort of culture and that attitude with them. And, and I think I think it would be great to have someone from outside, like say a David Andrews, who's the AHL president, or or David Branch, who's the you know the Canadian Hockey League commissioner. Yeah. He's been he's been very very uh, steadfast in in you know in dealing with stuff like this and and being very very hard on these guys. And and I mean. You know, I mean, it's not, it's, you're not going to change behavior with a two game suspension. You're going to change behavior by, you know, coming down on people. And, and, uh, I, I just think it's, it's time to sort of look at it in a different way and, and, uh, you know, maybe get, get somebody who's, who, you know, who didn't make his career beating up people. I, I don't think that's too much to ask, but. Apparently, it might be. <laughs> yeah, well, I, I'm with you. I think we need more outside thinkers in this game. I mean, you look at Julian Brisebois, not from the inner circle, right? Like he came up as a lawyer, right. and you know John Chaika, and you know they, these these uh, yep. Kyle Dubas who have different yep. views of the game. I think we need yep. more of that in the league on a lot well, of Jay different Feaster, Jay Feaster, Jay Feaster, the former yeah. Tampa Bay Lightning GM, d- doesn't even know how to skate. Yeah. I remember I talked to him once. He's, he's never played hockey in his life. He's never played in an organized game of hockey in his life. Doesn't know how to skate and put together a Stanley Cup winning organization. Yep. So there's not there's no correlation between I can see it in coaching. Like the in coaching I can see where being a former player would be something that you would need, but to be a GM or an administrator, you don't need to have that background. Yep, I agree. All right, Ken, um, I can't thank you enough. And before I let you go, I have to share this story with my listeners because you were in New York the day that everything went down with me at the Tribune. And obviously a lot of things stand out in my mind of what happened that day. And when I made my way up to the press box there at Barclays Center, you looked at me and just gave me a hug. And, uh, you know, those things stand out to me. And, uh, you know, I I just – I. it just, I just remember that so vividly, and that's why mm-hmm. I enjoy our conversations. I, I appreciate you coming on with me here, uh, and I hope to do this again somewhere down the road. 
Well, you know what? I always say good people land on their feet, and it looks like you've done that. So I'm I'm happy to see it, and uh, you're a good man, and you've always been a good reporter. So happy to share the time with you, and I'll, I'll be happy to come on anytime you want. All right. Thank you so much, Ken. I really appreciate it. Enjoy the desert out there for the next month or so. Okay. See you, buddy. All right. That's uh, Ken Campbell from the Hockey News. I hope you enjoy that conversation. Really insightful. Um, and, again, I, I wanted to share that story with him because – Certainly among the Lightning fan base, too, uh, Ken Campbell has a reputation that uh, a lot of Lightning fans are not fans of his, and that's fine. There's no problem with it, but I wanted to just see that different side of Ken because, uh, you know, I had a lot of things go on that day with me in Brooklyn on May 3rd, 2016 that I'll never forget, and, and that was one of them. That, that soon, I think I made my way up to the press box in the third period uh, after spending most of the game downstairs uh, answering questions, uh, sending stuff out on Twitter, thanking people for reaching out to me, and you know to see Kenny there and uh, just turn around and give me a hug right away was uh, it, it meant a lot. It really did. All right, let's take a break here. Um, I got a couple of topics that I want to get to that you guys have sent in, so we'll get to those when we come back right after this. Belly up to the bar and order some more lightning talk. Uh, have you got any stewed prunes? Yes, sir. Well, give him some black coffee. That'll sober him up. This is Lightning Lunch with Eric Erlinson. Don't you have any respect for yourself? On Lightning Power Play. We'll need plenty of black coffee again tonight. Lightning are in action in Anaheim. That is a 10 p.m. puck drop. Listen to it right here on Lightning Power Play. Uh, as well as on Fox Sports Sun. All right, uh, we're going to squeeze in these last two subjects uh, before we check out. Went a little long with Ken, but that was great because it was a really good conversation. Um, all right, Stephanie, uh, we talked the other day about Jan Ruda, not necessarily a long-term solution for this team, even as well as he's played. Uh, if the team doesn't make a trade, how do I see the top six shaking out? I would think Coburn would be in because of experience, or do they try to look at uh, Cal Foot at some point? Um, well, look, they are carrying eight defensemen now, right? Uh, I don't know if you want to bank on Cal Foote being the guy to come in and be a top-four guy because that's what he would have to be, right? Um, you're not going to pair him with Mikhail Sergachev, so we can put that out the door. You're not going to break up. Uh, you probably won't break up McDonough and Chernak. They've been so good for so long together uh, since Chernak came up last year. Um, I, I would think Coburn would, would be the better choice there. I think he skates a little bit better than Luke Shen does. Uh, I think that's that's a big thing that's holding Shen back. You know, but it, it, you know what? It would depend on potentially matchups too. You know, it's never a bad thing to have options if you have a team that maybe doesn't skate as well where you might be a little concerned about foot speed with certain guys, you know, and, and you like the physical play. Uh, you know, Luke Shen plays a, a physical style of game. You know, if you feel you need that, then then Shen's the guy. But uh, I don't know if Cal Foote, even if he does get a look this year, and I would think that even if he does get a look this year, it might mean because there's injuries or it's really late in the year, they just want to kind of bring him up and give him a taste. Um, I think they're probably better suited to continue to let him be a top-minute guy down in Syracuse. Him and Dom Machine have basically been the top pairing there for the crunch, and I know things haven't gone the crunch's way to this point this year. But um, I don't know. To me, Coburn is the first-choice guy. To me, uh, he is definitely a stay-at-home guy now at this point in his career, but I think he can skate a little bit better, and he played really well last year. And when he got into the postseason, remember, he was a scratch for the first two games of the year. Uh, but he got in and played really well uh, in those final two games of the playoffs against – uh, the Blue Jackets last year, so uh, when Victor Hedman sat out the final two games. So uh, that's my thought on that. Uh, from Chris, uh, talking about the older, heavier teams, as we talked about, especially with the Ducks and the Kings, and based on the interview that we had with Al Murray a couple of weeks ago, we are really fortunate to have the roster we do. How long do you think our team will remain in contention for the future? I think this window is open a lot longer than most other teams. You know, we just had that discussion with Ken regarding the San Jose Sharks and how their window, as he said, it slammed shut. And that might be the case. You know, they lost Pavelski. Joe Thornton's certainly not getting any younger. Patrick Marlowe is not getting any younger. Uh, you mentioned Eric Carlson basically skating on one ankle nowadays. Um, 
you know, they're a team that doesn't have the prospects to fill in for when those type of players aren't productive or they leave the organization. Whereas you compare it to the Lightning, yes, they have Vasilevsky under contract. His extension kicks in next year. Kucherov is in the first year of his eight-year deal. There's still a number of years left on Stamkos and, and Hedman and McDonough. So you still have this core here. Um, you know, as long as you can find ways to maintain a roster that's going to include an Anthony Sorelli, I think he's the next guy on the list. He's a big concern contract-wise looking towards the summer for this team. And, and I say concern. I don't think he's going anywhere. Uh, it's just a question of what they're going to be able to get him signed to and how much it's going to cost them. Same with a Mikhail Sergachev. So the Lightning have these type of younger players that if you have to move on from a player, say, and I'm just using an example here, a Tyler Johnson, an Andre Pilat, and Alex Kalorn, these names that we have discussed over the last year or two in terms of potential salary cap sacrifices that have to be made, you have the players to step in and take over those roles. And that's still the case. You still have an Alex Barry Boulay in Syracuse. You still have a Cal Foot in Syracuse. You still have a Taylor Radish and a Boris Kachuk in Syracuse. You have these players. You know, they're very excited about Gabriel Fortier, who was their top pick, a second-round pick, two years ago. They're very excited. You know, we've had Stacey Roost on the show before, you know, where his game is at in terms of Fortier. You know, Max Sakovich, I'm always going to mess up that name, you know, was a third-round draft pick last year. You know, was the number one overall pick in the import draft, currently playing with St. John. He was with Slovakia. Nolan Foote. Think about the impact he made. So you you have, this is the pipeline. This is what has been a big part of why this team, dating back to the 13-14 season when they first made the postseason with this core of players, why they've been able to be a team of continued sustainable success. You only have the one missed playoffs in that span, and that came the year where Callahan and Stamkos missed basically the entire year. But you had a Braden Point. That was Braden Point's rookie year to come in and be an impact player. And they and I still think they have enough of those players in the system. I don't necessarily know if you have a Braden Point down there or an Anthony Sorelli, but they might. That is the strength of this organization since Al Murray and his staff took over. Darren Plandowski was a carryover from the previous regime. He's a big part of this as well that has allowed this team to be – I'll have this run of success, and I still think this window is going to remain open for a long period of time because of how they have drafted um, through the past number of years under Al Murray. All right, that is going to wrap up today's show. Uh, again, thanks, everybody, for contributing, Stephanie and Chris in particular, for sending in your comments and your questions today. Hope you enjoyed the conversation with Ken Campbell. He's great. Uh, known Ken for a long time. Uh, so that was really, really good. Uh, went a little bit longer than we usually do with our guests, but he was fantastic. So hope you enjoyed that. Don't forget Lightning at Anaheim tonight. It's a 10 p.m. puck drop. Greg Linelli has Lightning Power Play Live for you at 6, and then again at 8.30. Uh, I'll be on with Greg during inter uh, pregame and intermission reports. We take questions in the second uh, intermission, so make sure you uh, interact with us there. Thanks to Connor Zielinski, as always, for making it sound good and putting it all together. We'll be back on Monday. Stacey Roos is scheduled to join us again on Monday. Uh, enjoy the weekend. Lightning in San Jose tomorrow night. We're back with Lightning Lunch on Monday. Until then. Bye-bye, everybody.